was just me humming. Uh, hello. Hello, it's September. Is it? It's, it is, it's yes. September. It's officially autumn. Is it? it is. It, today? Yesterday? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Equi, 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 let's start again. Equinoxin. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Uh, and yeah, uh, but it's still quite warm. It is still quite warm. It hasn't been though. Mind you, you missed that, didn't you? Well, it was quite warm too. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right then. It was, quite, it was quite sunny as well. But, uh, <clears throat> I was listening to these albums whilst I was sat on a beach drinking beer. I was, listening, I was listening to these albums whilst I was sat on a train feeling cold. But what are these albums our listener is wondering? <laughs> uh, so this podcast we've got the new Arctic Monkeys album uh, AM, we've got 1975 by 1975, we've got Roddy Hart and Lonesome Fire, Roddy Hart by Roddy Hart and Lonesome Fire, Visual Kicks, Roaring Twenties, Summer Camp, Summer Camp, and Nine Inch Nails, Hesitation Marks. Yeah, you know, I've only just noticed that three of the albums are eponymous. Yes, uh, I only noticed it whilst reading them out, so that shows how much I paid attention as well. Excellent. So I suppose the Arctic Monkeys one is almost eponymous as well. True, yeah. It's a dog colour Velvet Underground, isn't it? Yeah. So we'll start with the Arctic Monkeys and their fifth album. Yep. AM, over to you, Peter. This is a sexy album. There you go. Start off at 10. No, this is the fifth album. And boy, does it show they're getting they they are progressing. I feel I think there's a definite Arctic Monkey sound evolution going on. There's certainly elements in here from all their previous four albums, um, but refreshed, renewed, and repackaged for once of a better word. Mm-hmm. Um, but certainly, you know, reconstituted. There we go. Uh, it's 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 a, it's a good album. It's you know it's 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 one of their better albums if not their best album since their debut whatever people say I am um, and I feel that this is definitely this is going to be a classic a future classic for the Arctic Monkeys I mean, it's very hard to distinguish between all their albums they, they have produced a classic or a near classic each and every time in in my opinion um, <laughs> but there's certainly certainly elements from the recent album the, little, the recent the sort of Josh Hom produced work yep um, is still prevalent here, but again, a, li- a nod—not so much to the past, but more to the future. Yeah, I, I'm, I, I agree. I mean, I'll, obviously, I, I mean, I'll, I still kind of kind of indifferent to the first album. It's a couple of tracks that, that I really like, obviously. The, the, the obvious ones. The obvious like ones, that. sure. Um, but it didn't really grab me, and it probably took it till um, Humbug. Number three, uh, yeah. For me to really get on, get on, get on board. I was last, as, as you remember, we reviewed the last album, and um, getting C, and I was less enamoured with that than I was yeah. Humbug. But I think this album actually um, kind of blends the best bits of both those those, those, those two albums. Those two. So mm. you've got the kind of pop leaning side mm. and the and the kind of ret- slightly retro rock mm. leaning side, and retro rock almost kind of heavy metal side. I mean, there's a mm. couple of tracks on this album that are. I mean, are you mine and Arabella that are very kind of seventies uh, Judas Priest Black Sabbath kind of influenced, particularly uh, Arabella, which pretty much gives more than just a passing nod to Black Sabbath. Black Sabbath in its riffage, yep. shall we say? Um, but I actually like what I like about this album is it's it's, it's actually quite varied. Yeah, surprisingly, surprisingly. So you've got that, which I've just just said. You've got um, you've got their kind of. What I've wrote down as 
their Elton John Macca leanings, uh, by which I mean the which one number one party anthem. Yeah, the piano ballad. <laughs> which could that could have actually come off their previous album. Yeah, yeah, and uh, the cracking pure pop tune "Snap Out of It," which I also kind of thought because it was almost Elton Johnish. I nature. thought I th- John Lennon there. Yeah, I something in the echoey piano, yeah. I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, sticking back back to the seventies again, you've got "I Want It All," which is kind of glitter band mm. kind of thing. And then the thing I liked most, um, well not most, but I also liked the fact that there were two tracks that could almost be hip-hop tracks. Mm. Um, one for the road and uh, Why Do You Copy When You Get High. Yeah. Are both songs that you could, I could, could see convincingly either covered by hip-hop artists mm. or I could see hip-hop kind of remixes of both songs mm. working surprisingly well. Mm. Um, obviously there's still, for me, a Queens of the Stone Age influence across the whole whole album. Although I think that I think the influence is now going both ways. It's, yeah, it's reflected. We yeah, the, uh, Queens of the Stone Age album, which I thought was ago. a bit Arctic Monkeys in places. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I think that's done particularly noticeably on the actually on the, uh, the Queens of the Stone Age style high almost falsetto vocals, mm. which are kind of very prevalent on this album, particularly on the choruses. Um, and with a nod to an album we're reviewing a couple of albums at a time. Fireside, uh, which is uh, a track that I kind of thought wouldn't sound out of place on the Roddy Hart album. No, no, that's a fair point. That's a fair point. Interesting, you picked up on the hip hop thing because I think they've said a thing similar. Oh, okay. they're, they're quite. See, they sort of explored their hip hop while they were listening to this. But obviously, being the Arctic Monkeys, are like we could never do hip hop. So here's the next best thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, having said, sort of talked up its praises. I've um, at this point. Although no doubt will change my mind in the future, I actually prefer the previous album, okay. probably because I'm more on the pops leaning side yeah. of their fandom. <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah, I, I I think that's still still my favourite of the their recent stuff. But this is definitely definitely a grower. Yeah, I'd agree. I, 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 would, I would still lean towards Hamburg as my favourite yeah, album. There, there you but, go. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's that's it. a good record. <laughs> Right, moving on. Moving on to new people. New people, new music. 1975 by 1975. 1975. Yeah, um, and having listened to this on holiday, I'm presuming the name of the band is meant ironically. Yeah. As their sound and influences certainly owe more to the mid to late 80s. It's more 1985, really. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Than the 70s. Yeah. Uh, and this is a record that had me thinking of like, Climby Fisher, Simple Minds, Go West. Go West. Dan Reed Network, mm. Cutting Crew, and many more. Um, it couldn't be more steeped in the 80s if it tried. But that's not necessarily a bad thing. No. And surprisingly, it works remarkably well on this record. Uh, there's been a lot of hype and expectation about them, uh, which I automatically think adds that uh, level of expectation on your shoulders um, that you wouldn't have normally delivering an album. But I think, despite that, they've delivered a record which will provide a lot of pleasure to lovers of well-crafted pop tunes, and particularly ones that like a good pop tune that also have a soft spot for the 80s. Um, <laughs> He's looking at me. Yeah. And <laughs> saying that, I, I generally think there are there are four or five classic pop tunes on this record. The City, Chocolate, yep. Sex, Heart yep. Out, Pressure, just alone make this record worth checking out. It's, you know, it's... Um, and I particularly like the anthemic chorus on um, Heart Out, mm. uh, which is, frankly, one of the best Go West songs Go yeah. West never recorded. <laughs> you know, it's just, it is that kind of thing. I'd add Robbers and Girls to that as well. 
yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that list. So that's most of the album. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's a uh, it very much um, very much an eighties, very much a go west, sort of Deacon and Blue thing going on. Deacon Blue, Deacon Blue, yes. yeah, what did I think of that? yeah, all the way throughout, and that 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 classic sort of ding 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 guitar, yeah, yeah from the eighties. You only get that in eighties records, and this, um, yeah, no, it's 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 a it's a good it's a good album. I have to say, I was a little bit disappointed, but it was again, it was a grower. Yeah. I think the more the more I listened to it, the more infectious some of those pop riffs became. Um, so, so again, not quite what I expected when I settled down to listen to it. But actually, you know, the more I listened to, it, the more I thought, sort of, you know, um, bit of the yesayer as well going on, well, unsurprisingly. Thing, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. reverted back somehow. Yeah, um, yeah th- th- it's, a, it's a, it's a, it's a good record. I don't see quite where it fits now. It's a difficult one, yeah. yeah. I mean, and also, uh, if I was going to criticise it, I, I would say that. A few times I've listened to it right through, right through. That Matthew Healy, I think the vocalist's name is, I find his particular vocal style and, and the, the, the whole kind of mm. production of the, the way the tracks are, is done means that some of them kind of merge yep. a bit when you're listening to it, and it sometimes can feel like you're listening to the same song again, mm. and you're not quite sure which song you're in at any particular time. When they hear the songs independently, that's not really an issue, um, but when you're listening to it as an album. Yeah. There were a couple of times where I was just thinking, which track are we in there? Is this the one that was that one, or are we back yeah. to that one? And so that's a slightly kind of thing. Although I will say there is this real surprise at the end of the album with a almost Kate Bush like piano that, ballad. That last track. Yeah. Yeah. Which yeah. I really like. Awesome. <laughs> kind of, it's a real left turn, isn't it? Yeah. Right at the close. Yeah, completely different. Yeah, a good end of album. Yeah. Kind of track. For sure. Uh, so yeah, I think definitely a band to watch out for. Hmm. So next up, uh, we have the debut album of sorts uh, from Roddy Hart and the Lonesome Fire. Although uh, Roddy has already done three solo albums, um, and he's one of these artists that you probably think of live. I've never heard of this this guy before. And in fact, when I saw him live back in about 2011, supporting. Uh, Lovely Neil Bryden, whose album we reviewed yeah, yeah. earlier on this, this year. Yeah. Um, I was both impressed by his uh, on-stage persona and the fact that he kind of dropped into the thing. Uh, this was a song off my debut album that I did with Chris Christopherson. You're thinking, what? Your debut album? You recorded it with Chris Christopherson and I've never heard who you are before that? Uh, <laughs> What's going on here? But anyway, so three albums behind him. Never, a, never Venn, has a band. Venn diagram there for you folks. Yeah, never, never has a band. <laughs> This is the, the band's full debut. Yeah. What do you think? I like it. I like it. I, I daren't say anything else. <laughs> <laughs> nice. No, yes, I mentioned the disclaimer in a minute. Yeah. <laughs> I've got, I've got the, I've got the copy looking at me as well. Um, yeah, no, I like, I like it. It's, it's again. Um, there's, there's a, there's a, there's a bit of an 80s sheen, and I'm thinking, um, Scottish band. Oh, his name has just escaped me. Ah. Anyway, we'll come back to that. It's not uh, Deacon Blue this time. It's not Deacon Blue this time, no. Um, and, and, and there's a very much... Uh, not Delamitri. Uh, it's not Delamitri, really. No, no. Name some more Scottish bands in the moment. Um, it, it's, it's got that, that kind of um, Celtic. I'm going to go with Celtic instead. All right. Okay. A feel to it that runs, that runs through some of the tracks. Not all. 
Yeah. Little, and also the vocal range on some of this stuff. Sometimes it's very sort of 80s rock and other times it's more sort of modern folk or old folk. Yeah. Which, which again, keeps things interesting. Um, highlights for me are probably um, opening couple of tracks, uh, Days Numbered and Cold City Avalanche um, and Queenstown. Okay. Um, and again, and if I've not mentioned him already, George Harrison as well as 80s folk and alt folk and all that, it also pops up in my mind when listening to this guy as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, definitely. Uh, it's a sort of, that sort of, sort of, okay, I don't know if it's a Celtic thing or a spiritual thing. There's definitely a thing there, which uh, the spirit of Harrison coming through. I'm blathering too much. Um, yeah, that, that, I suppose those are my highlights. Well, obviously, I, I, well, I say obviously, but luckily, I like, I like, this, like this album, I should say to the, uh, <coughs> to the listener that, uh, I do have a vested interest, sort of, in this album because uh, <laughs> when he was, when Roddy was trying to make this album, he on pledge mu- did a pledge music account to try and raise funds to record the record, uh, and I was one of many who uh, contributed to that fund in a very small way. Um, thankfully, the resulting album is one that I actually like very much. Um, and what we have here is that. I think a particular British kind of polished pop rock mm. kind of yep. sound. Um, and it's a sound that probably will put some people in mind of the likes of Coldplay, Keane, Travis. Mm-hmm. You know, it touches in that territory at times. And this might be partly also because it was produced by Danton Supple, who was probably best known for producing Coldplay's X and Y album. Um, All right. So because of that, you I suppose you're always going to have that uh, danger almost of any record that ha- that's kind of fits into that kind of genre or people want to s- throw into that genre falling into the well of blandness and mediocrity um i think this album avoids that on the strength of hart's songwriting ability um and it's a record that blends big pop rock gems for me like days and numbered quantity avalanche bright light fever which is one of my favorite tracks on the album um and also the video for that incidentally features chris christopherson yeah um and those are kind of balanced with songs that are more reflective of his singer-songwriter roots, I guess. So songs such as High Hopes, Big Jump, which I really, really like, and Tree of Darkness. And on the songwriting thing, there are regular lines in, the, in throughout the album that I really, really like. Um, amongst my favourites, uh, there's a, the start of the song, Forget Me Not, starts with in the movie of your heart, do I figure from the start, or is it just a bit part? In your hotel memory, <laughs> did you book a room for me, or lock me out with no key? And I think that's kind of just, you know, brilliant piece of songwriting. Um, so I really, I really like this album, and I, I think it's an album that builds perfectly on the three solo albums he did, uh, and it's an album that deserves to do well. Whether it will or not is the matter, of course. Down to the record buying public um but yeah actually finished just mentioned with with um, mr supple you should know his his, his name because uh he's also been a regular on the mixing and engineering credits over the past 20 20 years so you should probably check out your copy of behavior oh right Boys, ah okay where he's uh involved in the uh, mixing and engineering <laughs> really <Yeah. laughs> or more impressively for me at least yes on kathy dennis's 
am I that kind of girl? Oh, okay. Um, All right. And for those people who are listening who think I'm taking the piss here, <laughs> I actually generally think that's uh, an overlooked great record, <laughs> featuring as it does a very credible cover of Waterloo Sunset and the brilliant, if not very big, hit single, uh, West End Pad. I um, I did really enjoy that cover of Waterloo Sunset. It has yeah. to be said. I'm not taking the piss either. Yeah. Um, and it was Simple Minds. Simple Minds. At Lee, you know. I'm sure I mentioned Simple Minds before. No, no, well, Simple I Minds. Simple Minds somebody else. Yeah, there was a bit, little bit of Jim Kerr occasionally. Yeah. But that kind of ties that whole early, very 1990 thing together. Yeah. Right, let's leave it there. Okay. <laughs> so, changing tact from the 90s to the roaring 20s. No. And, very good. Um, and Rizzle Kicks. Yeah. Um, Second album from them, and proving once again that the UK rap hip hop scene is alive and well. Very much so. Mm. Um, they're a band that, to, to my mind, come across a bit like if you could imagine Squeeze being channeled through Fresh Prince and DJ Jazzy <laughs> Jeff. Uh, you know, it's that kind of fun, infectious, del delightful, inventive kind of pop with quirky <laughs> lyrics, you know what I mean? Uh, designed to put a smile on your face, spring in your step. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, the first five or six tracks of this pretty much do what, what they say. Yeah. You know, this means we'll kicks off big beated kick off tune that mm. sets the tone talking about egging people, which is makes me laugh. Uh, then you get into uh, the, I think it was the first thing, Lost Generation, yeah. which takes a pop at uh, daytime talk show host Jimmy Kyle. Yeah. And of course, footballer John Terry. Yes. With the hashtag trend, we make people go clap, clap, yeah. When I heard people buy views, I was more confused than all John Terry's black friends. Uh, apparently they had to run that one past the lawyers. Did they? <laughs> yeah. Uh, also, that track has a nice line, mm, what's wrong if a girl loves sex? It's only wrong if it's not with you, so maybe you should get better in bed, which I also maybe as well. <laughs> uh, the lyrics throughout this album are actually very witty. Yeah, very witty, very inventive, very yeah, clever. very clever. Um, you get skipped the good bit, which manages to work its magic over the basic tune of EMF's uh, 1990 hit Unbelievable. And even managed to get a clever joke into it as well mm. by saying, let's skip the good bit, if ever it was so true. Yes. Um, title Roaring Twenties seems to act as both a focus point for the lyrics, you know, young men talking about, well, sex, it seems quite mm. And issues facing Britain's youth, as well as the obvious nod to the jazz age. Yes. Uh, and this was, I think they'd done a couple of, I think they'd used a couple of jazz samples on their first album. Did they? Um, but this one, they obviously, obviously just decided to get Mr. Cullum in. Yeah, yeah. And, there's uh, a, and there's a there's a whole sorry to interrupt. Yeah. There's a there's a whole, and uh, not only talking about current economic problems facing facing, um, I was about to say the kids. Oh, you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, today uh, facing people today, but also juxtaposing that with some sort of references to an interwar time when war was on the horizon but it wasn't a thing that was designed and there's a, yeah. there's a real um evelyn wars and bright young things thing uh -huh. running through it as well yeah. and i'm just i'm listening to this i'm thinking this is just genius I mean, it's not only funny and current and political it's also literature and, and art and it's it's actually really really well constructed no i agree, I agree. I, I said, yeah, you yeah. don't get this with hip-hop nowadays <laughs> very very rarely <laughs> you know? so this, is, this, is, this is true and you know i think having jamie Cullen actually kind of contribute to two tracks was actually kind of you know a very clever 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 move as well. So you've actually got kind of newly created music mm. in total rather than just you know um, sampling left, right, and centre. So it's just, it's an album that's very poppy. Yeah. Um, in fact, it sounds a bit Lily Allen in places. It, it, forgive it that yeah. it's it's very clever. Um, 
But I think there seems to be a growing maturity in the lyrics from the, the couple of tracks I heard off the first album, mm. uh, which means I'm already looking forward to the third album, which, yeah. I, th- which I think could take them a step to, to that place. Yeah. That place. Yeah. Uh, Try some bread. Yeah. No. I'm. I'm likewise. Um, and and I've, I've, a couple of points already, but but just to add to that, Dominic West. Yes, yeah, speaking like that. <laughs> That's brilliant, though. Dominic West. I mean, yeah. Who would have thought? Um, no, brilliant album. Um, obviously, Stringer Bell was busy. Yeah, obviously, uh, I'm, I'm really impressed. And and you know, yes, perhaps maybe if we're picking, it maybe sag somewhere in the middle for a track or two. It does. But I actually, I actually find that the, the, the you know the first six tracks are so brilliant, and I also think the last six tracks are so brilliant as well. Um, and um, the penultimate track um, is just is just beautiful. Yeah, it has that. That's the, that's the second colour one that has the kind of bluesy, soul yeah. type vibe to it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I like that. Yeah. No, really good. Really good album. I, I, you know, I've really enjoyed listening to this album. I have actually listened to it more than the requisite three times. Praise indeed. <laughs> you heard it here first, Whistle Kicks. Sue. <laughs> so, we move on to the second last album and the sophomore album from UK duo Summer Camp, who we actually saw live uh, about a year ago. Yeah, I'm going to say a bit longer than a year. Yeah, about 18 months ago. 18 months yeah. ago. Yeah, Scala. 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 Yes. Right. Uh, yeah. So uh, we went to see them on the back of the off the back of the first album, Welcome to Condale, which I was a big fan of. Yeah. Uh, and this is the well, that's it, second album. So. Yeah. I, 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 away from what I remember the gig, um, I don't remember them sounding this um, produced and polished. Hard to be the new two on stage. Yes, but I'm not going to say that's a bad thing. I yeah. think it really lends itself to, to there's a really nice pop um, retrofitted disco thing going through this. Mm. I, the first couple of tracks in particular, I think, once again, Daft Punk, take note. Um, there was a really nice vibe to this, and particularly the second track, Fresh. Um, in, in that it brought together not only disco, not only pop, but obviously a, a really nice uh, Americana indie vibe. How many subgenres can I throw out today? I don't know. It's like I've swallowed a thesaurus of subgenres today. A pop thesaurus today before I came on the podcast. Um, and that really, really, really bouncy summer album. What a shame I'm only listening to it in September. <laughs> I could have done with this mate, in my life a couple of months ago. <laughs> yeah, you heard it here first, Summer Camp. You can release it. Get your schedule right. <laughs> no, but in all seriousness, starts starts very, very poppy. Um, again, some really nice, quieter numbers in there. Um, and I Got You. Mm. Again, back to Yesaya and that sort of 80s blinky blonky vibe. And um, and ends with the Pink Summer, which is just glorious. And yeah. What a way to finish an album. It's just a lovely tune. Washes over you with with just sort of nice nice tonal vibes and sounds and stuff. Really, really, really pleasant album. I only just missed listening to this a third time. Oh. So the requisite third time is coming because this. I know I say this occasionally, but I will actually listen to this album again. Really good album. Yeah, I I I can I. I said I was a big fan of the first album, but, uh, which had, uh, for me, it was a kind of perfect kind of dreamy pop record, peppered, peppered, peppered with um, 60s girl band charm, mm. like. 
and I suppose I was expecting more of the, more of the same this record and in fact it's not more of the same at all no it's a far more modern affair I think this is what took me by surprise mm. at least in the, mm. at least in its flourishes the, the yeah. flourishes are now more 80s and 90s rather yes. than rather than 60s yeah. as you say the album kicks off in fine form with the end which has a almost kind of Todd Rundgren like start <laughs> yeah ping not the last mention today <laughs> uh, and then moves into uh, you know strong dance pop tune yeah. uh, the likes of which St Etienne would have been proud yeah frankly in their heyday yeah. uh, not last place the St Etienne would have been proud there's a couple other tracks on this album that I think are in that kind of mould if you like um, and but the elements that appeal to me in their first album are still there so it's still you've still got big pop tunes uh, so, so you've got things like Crazy Keep Falling everything has changed which I really like Two chords, which I just love the title, and I kind of hear, almost hear the March Violets doing mm. that song. Uh, it'd be on an eighties soundtrack, eighties film soundtrack. Yeah, but it'd be there. Yeah. As you say, Pink Summer is just uh, gorgeous. Yeah, gorgeous. Um, so whilst it doesn't have the initial charm for me that uh, Coldale has, it demonstrates a desire on behalf of uh, Jeremy Wormsley and uh, Elizabeth Sankey to actually develop the stand of the band and not just stand still. Um, which is a thing we bring up quite regularly on the podcast. Which is um, I think that's great. And yeah. on the strength of that, I actually predict the third album mm. being classic. Okay. Damn but this really, album is still damn this good. This album is still damn good. Excellent. What, what a lovely pair that was, just to finish with. Oh no. Got one more. Indeed. Yes, we finish uh, uh, with uh, Nine Inch Nails and Hesitation Marks. I have no idea what album this is for Nin. Uh, I'm going to go with <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, someone, anyway. someone will tell us. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, someone, someone will probably text you saying, Pete, how did you not know yeah, that album How did you not was? know that? I'm going to go with eight. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Depends for how many you count of his solo. Anyway, oh, yeah. let's not get into that. Anyway, <laughs> uh, it has been sold in some areas as... Uh, being uh, a kind of change of direction almost and a new send for new sound send for Trenton. Do you know what? I Nin. think I'm right. Anyway, yeah. moving on. <laughs> but honest, yeah. <laughs> I think that what, what that really means is it's just less guitar orientated than the last couple of official Nin albums and more kind of in line with the instrumental soundtrack collaborations he's been doing with mm. Ross and Latterly's work with Alan Mulder too. Um, or you could, if you want to keep within the Nin rhetoric I suppose you could say it's uh, probably more akin to probably Pretty Hate Machine than, mm, than yeah. any any other Nin album it certainly has that more kind of it's certainly the more danceable end of yeah. the Nin spectrum and if you go to think songs like Disappointed or Running uh, you'd see that apparent straight away mm. obviously there are the blips and the noodles behind it and it's, but it's still very much a Nin album you know it starts with a copy of a uh, and uh, came back haunted. Uh, neither of which would be out of place on pretty much any any, any other album. album yeah. Really. Um, so it's you know, it's not it's not anything new in that sense. Um, but what you get is over, overall a I'm going to use your favourite a very solid album. I haven't used it for ages. I know. You know, it's it's, it's, it's <laughs> I'm a band. It's an album that holds <laughs> it holds together well. <laughs> It's, it develops and gets, certainly gets better on repeated listens. Yes, that I do strongly agree yeah. with. Although, mm. as we've heard before, mo most albums do. do <laughs> yes. Really. Yeah. Not all, as we said, but no. most do. Um, so you've got that. Um, 
interesting bits of the album. Um, you've got uh, I mean, my fa- my favourite track on the album at the moment is actually um, in two. Second, oh yes, second to last, yeah. Uh, which didn't do much for me the first to listen to. No, now it's actually oh, right. really been the okay. song I've been listening to the last yeah. couple of days. Um, there's other bits in the album where you kind of re- reminded, uh, as was hinted at on a couple of tracks on the How to Destroy Angel album, actually, mm. um, that he, he is capable of writing catchy pop ditties when he wants. Yes. Um, and everything. I, which kind of comes across as a mix between The Cure and Rick Springfield is pretty much... I think the most commercial thing he's written in 20 years. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. just ridiculously catchy pop tune. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just to, it's, yeah, it's just bizarre. Um, you've then, of course, um, one of my other favourite tracks on the album, as in the, as the proper the proper version of the album, is All Time Low, mm. which sees Trent channeling his inner Bowie. Yep. Or at least it's his uh, ex-Bowie guitarist Adrian Ballou uh, doing a good impersonation of the kind of alt-funk guitar riffage from Bowie's fame. Um, and this one is another grower. First time I listened to it, I wasn't overly, overly keen mm. on it. Um, obviously this, as well as Find My Way and Whilst I'm Still Here, mm. are the three tracks that are offered as remixes on the deluxe version of the Okay, album. we'll stop there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> While I'm Still Here, I love. I, th- I, th- I think... I'd have, I'd have preferred the, the, the remix version of Whilst Still Here to be on the album instead yeah. of the version that's on the album. Yeah, go on, go on. The other two are... Well, Get to it. No, but, yes. <laughs> All Time Low, for the, who would have thought we'd be talking about a Nine Inch Nails album and get to talk about Todd Rundgren ah, at hey. the same time. Ping, ping, ping. Because <laughs> for some unknown reason, Trent... Well, actually, I know the reason, because actually he's actually a, a Todd Rundgren fan. Um, yeah, so there's a version of All Time Low done... A la Todd. It I, is, it, and it is very much a la Todd as well. It is very much a Todd record. Yeah. That um, remix, yeah. Yes, because he's basically, to, at the end of the original track, there's a kind of a repeated refrain stretched across the sky. Mm. Uh, very kind of whispered mm. refrain uh, that in the Todd version has been beefed up and placed at the start and throughout the track <laughs> with additional Todd. With Todd, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm. To make it, well, a bit more, as you said, yeah. Todd. Yeah. Um, but he also turns down the funny, funny enough, turns down the uh, the kind of funky guitar. Interesting. Um, so it's a good. Ver- so I think it's a good version. Although I think my favourite remix is the one I'm stuck here remix. Also worth noting, just for poor trivia, pure, pure, pure trivia uh, reasons, is the fact that uh, so that kind of things we think. Who would I expect to find on a Nin album? And you kind of look down the credits and go, oh, of course. Fleetwood Max, Lindsay Buckingham. <laughs> Who plays on four of the tracks on the album? Three, gu- three guitar, one on, one on synth. Funny if he's on synth on um, the pop tune. Yeah. Everything. Hey. So, you know, people you don't expect to find on the albums. There you go. Um, I, I actually, um, it's funny, you made the point about the, um, the While I'm Still Here remix. I, I wouldn't have minded substituting the, the Todd remix of All Time Low. Yeah. You know, it's it's that close to being. Uh, oh, clearly it's a remix, but it's that close to being collaborative. That it, it could yeah. be so repackaged, perhaps put out as an EP or as a single, as as a, a Nine Inch Nails featuring Todd Rundgren production, or Nine Inch yeah. Nails versus Todd Rundgren production. It, it's it's really good. It, the way that that, that that Todd has pulled that together, and yet it still has the spirit of the album version. Um, it wouldn't be a, a you know, it wouldn't be a stranger. To, to the album which yeah. I, I again I have to express an admiration there for Todd um, all, and I would add to that I mean I mean, 
you've obviously highlighted everything as, as the pop the pop hit. Yeah. <laughs> of the, who thought we'd be talking in these terms about Trent Reznor in, in, in 2013? You see the Miley Cyrus cover version there? Exactly, exactly, yeah. Um, you know, if you wanted to channel your, your, your well, I wonder what Joy Division would sound like today. With, with, um, Joy Division has done by One Direction. Yeah, well, quite. Um, really, you know, really quite, quite, quite interesting record. Came Back Haunted, um, again, being, being the other hit. There's a number of tracks on here that deliberately hark back to the downward spiral. Not so much in uh, theme or or musically, but it, certainly in terms of a response to the downward spiral, which yeah. is of course 20 years ago now. Um, and Came Back Haunted, I don't know if you picked it up, it actually features a kind of a, a version or an inverted version of the downward spiral riff right at the end. Oh. Uh, it's, a, it's a direct nod, you know, which uh, I thought, thought, you know, I thought well, fair enough. Uh, if you listen to the lyrics as well, very much, um, you know, very much of what ha happens at the end of hurt yeah. um well I, I had to die but i had to try and yeah. so i came back yeah he's sending it he's sending it he's sending it to your feet it is very it's very up deep but i suppose he's, he's happily married with two kids what do you expect um it, it, it it's 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 not the the goth angst of 20 years ago but at the same time there are deliberate nods again to some of his earlier work i picked up um again the the the, the pretty hate machine uh, point fair enough um there was one other track where where broken suddenly was mm -hmm. unleashed in my mind which again maybe maybe because of the collaborative nature of this record maybe because there's so many people people working on it you felt that there were there were you know there wasn't just him in the room uh, and again those early records whether it was broken whether it was down the spiral there was always you know one or two other people yeah. in the room um even if he wasn't in the room um so yeah a, a very a very a, a, a solid album. I wouldn't call it an, a Nine Inch Nails classic. So I got the solid reference in before you did. Yes, result. result. Well done. Um, yeah, not a not a not a classic. No, at least not yet. Well, I'll wait and see. Um, and again, fans who've only recently discovered Trent Reznor will 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 appreciate that Atticus Ross is here. The solo stuff is very much referenced in the the, the plinkety plonkety stuff. Yeah. And how to destroy angels, of course, as well. So, all wrapped up. There you go. Twenty-five years. Hesitation marks. Nice nuts. I just said one other thing. Mm. Was it just me, or during satellite, do you keep just waiting for Pharrell and Justin Timberlake to come in? <laughs> I suppose so. <laughs> I hadn't thought of it quite like that. <laughs> but, but yeah, there, there's the scope there, isn't there? Yeah. Yeah. There is scope there. Yeah. Worryingly. I'm yes. watching you. Dun, dun. Yeah, very much. It has that yeah, kind of it does. vibe to it. It does. You could, you, what? Yeah, they could kick in there. On that note. <laughs> On that note, let's leave. Let's leave. <laughs> but not Until next time, please. But not disappointed. God bless you.